Hi, this is Hayden Williams and welcome along. This is your weekly fix of self-care, grooming, self-image, all wrapped up in a package called Man in the Mirror. It's a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest and we discuss their work, their life and some of the key products in their morning and evening routine. And I find out what the guest really thinks about the man that looks back at him in the mirror. Now, this week, my guest is Nick Gilbert, who is the co-founder of a fragrance house and consultancy called Old Fiction. And also, more recently, Nick and his co-founder, Pia, formed a brand called Bougie Bougie. They started off doing home fragrance a couple of years ago, started with some beautiful candles and expanded last year into fine fragrance. Uh, We're going to discuss all of that in the conversation that follows. I've no, Nick, I guess uh, I've known of him for a few years. Uh, I met him, I think, last year at the Barnes Fragrance Fair and actually more about that in, in future episodes. But um, w- one of the nicest guys that works in fragrance and as you'll find out in, in the conversation that we have, he has a background in, in retail and seems to have an almost encyclopedic knowledge of all kinds of different fragrances but also how to communicate and how to train and all those things. So... I hope you're going to enjoy this. I certainly enjoyed talking to Nick. It's Nick Gilbert, who's the co-founder of Old Fiction, and Bougie Bougie talking to me, Hayden Williams, on Man in the Mirror. Let's go. Welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here, and this week, as I said in my introduction, it's such a delight to be joined by Nick Gilbert, who is the co-founder of fragrance brand Bougie Bougie and Old Fiction, which is a so fragrance consultancy, would that be is that the sort of best way of describing it? Nick? Yeah. Yeah. I mean <laughs> yeah. We're, some, we're somewhere in between a consultancy and like uh, a mini fragrance house because we have obviously the formulation side of the business and then the consultancy right. and training side of the business. So it's a we're a multi-purpose fragrance consultancy. Many hats. Exactly. That's with your your co-founder's Pia, isn't it? Yes, Pia Long. Yeah, she's a perfumer. She's the creator of all the fragrances for Bougie Bougies and obviously everything we do at Old Fiction as well for our clients there. We met for the first time last year at, I think, at the Barnes Fragrance Fair and you had a you had a stand with the Bougie Bougie candles, I think, at that stage, yes. weren't you, last spring? Yeah, and we had like a limited amount of the fragrances because we'd just shown them in um, Exxon's in Milan as kind of like a debut. Um, so we could start to generate interest with retailers and stuff like that. And then um, then we had like a little quantity left that we could bring <laughs> to sell before the main production happened in the sort of late summer. And are you going to Exxon's this year? Yes, yeah, we're just sort of finalising everything now. We've got a new fragrance. We're debuting a new perfume. Have you? Yeah. And then some fragrances we've created for another brand as well. We'll also oh, be debuting. So it's really exciting. Well, look, we'll, we'll definitely get into Bougie Bougie and a bit more about old fiction and how that works. I think it's a really sort of interesting area. And I suppose having a having a company that can kind of do some of those services bespoke and do it on behalf of other clients is a sort of interesting area that I haven't really talked about before. But before all that, I, I always always find it really interesting to understand from the guests, you know, how you got, you know, it's such a, such a fascinating world that people seem to sort of tumble into. And I wonder, you know, was fragrance something that you were really passionate about from an early age? Did it come from a, a parent or just sort of osmosis or just something that was going around? What, when did your interest start? 
Well, so my my mum, my dad always had a whole bunch of fragrances that they wore. Did they? Yeah. So my mum was a big sort of like in the 80s, big cocoa, obsession, like all of those sort of like heavy hitting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. spicy things. Just loved them. Um, and my dad had like Koros and Jupe and, and stuff like that. So I was always kind of like surrounded by fragrance as in people were wearing it. Like my auntie always wore Samsara. My nan always wore Sunflowers. Like... It was always there, kind of thing. And did your dad, Nick? Was because I mean, I don't say it's unusual, but you know, did your dad have a, a sort of rotation of a few? Was he kind of did he a- actively like it rather than just get you know bought one at Christmas and that he wore all year? Sort of. Thing? I mean, I don't really. I as a kid, I didn't really know or understand what like how the selection had happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but he had a few. He had a few. Yeah, but he had a couple. Um, he was always changing his fragrance, and then I was like fifteen, sixteen. Started working at Boots as a, like a weekend job because obviously needed money. Student, student, all of that. And where did you grow up? Where's Where's this? Uh, back in Bristol. It was the Boots at Cribs Causeway that I got my first job at, and then I moved around a little bit after that, working for for them through uh, various things. But I was basically like, I started out and I was just like a till boy, you know. And I, and they said after three months they really like me. What do I want to do? And I was like, I want to work on the perfume counter. And there was no particular reason. <laughs> I think there was someone over there I like to chat to sometimes on my break. <laughs> so, and um, it just turned out I was really good at it. Like quite naturally, I could find ways to speak about it. I could sell it to people. I could trade yeah. all of these things. Like I was just quite naturally drawn to it. And then there was one of the sort of consultants or account managers for the fragrance counter there was um, a Colombian woman called Anna. She was actually a scientist, but she had to prove that she could speak English to get a science job here in the UK. So she ended up working in Boots for a while. And she told me about a website called Base Notes. And then everything spiraled out of control. Is that Grant? Is it Grant? Yeah, it's Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. which, if people don't know, I guess it's a place where people would go and discuss fragrances yes. and you know talk about talk about the notes and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Like, there's a really heavy forum. There's a lot of stuff like reviews. You can review fragrances. All of that kind of thing is happening. So, I kind of got really into it that way. And I was reading about like the different notes and stuff like that because the training that we had at boots at the time was kind of nothing we had like a little bit of a new perfume would come in and we'd get a magazine that said here are the notes and I didn't know what that meant I didn't know anything so I was kind of like this makes no sense I need to find out more information so it kind of one thing led to another and then I went to uni and I studied uh, psychology and I was sort of thinking that I was going to go and work in rehabilitation uh, in prisons because that was kind of I just thought it was sounded like a really interesting thing there was a woman um, that worked uh, not worked. That was like a, a customer at the the social club where I also collected and cleaned the glasses on the weekend. Right, <laughs> and she worked <laughs> in a prison, and I always just find it really interesting. So I thought uh, that would be good. But then the more I sort of found out about it, the more I realised the system's really broken. It wasn't going to be interesting because you were actually going to sort of really help people. Sort of changing. It's all yeah. it's all like a vicious vicious cycle that people get stuck in. So as I graduated, I just stayed with the fragrance thing because I thought, well, I'm really good at this. I'm sure there's there must be something more that happens in the fragrance world than just selling it. 
like not having a clue of what happens behind the curtain, behind the cat, like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff. And then I went on a couple of training courses with Boots, like get me up because I was becoming an account manager for the. So you were there? Were you there full time at this stage? At this point, yeah, I was there full time, um, and I was looking after like fragrance was my main thing, and the, but I also had to like look after the electrical stuff, so the shavers and the <laughs> and the hair dryers and the cosmetics and the skincare and stuff. So I kind of got really immersed in the personal care world. Right. And But I was so into the fragrance thing. And then Grant asked me to write a couple of articles for him for Base Notes. So I did that. And then that led to, like, you know, have you heard of Les Sonteurs? Yes. Yeah, the, the, the shop in, in Victoria. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that led to them getting in touch and kind of offering me to come for an interview. And at the same time, I was offered, I was asked to go for an interview for Harvey Nicks to work in the fragrance department in Bristol or to come to London to work for either Penn Halligans or Les Sonteurs. They both offered me jobs at the same time in retail. And I decided, much to my mum's confusion, that I would take the job that paid less, but I knew had more opportunity to learn more. And so I went to Les Sonteurs. <laughs> did you? So that would have been quite a different sort of, sort of product lineup, wouldn't it? Because, yeah. you know, Boots. Mass market, high street, yeah. kind of yeah, mass market designer fragrances to Les Sonteurs, which you know it has a niche and, and all sorts of beauty. It's a beautiful sort of independent store, yeah. so that must have been quite a change. It was a massive, massive change. But at the same time, I was I was really familiar with talking about discussing fragrance. I'd learned a lot by this point. I'd smelled a lot because I was personally just really fascinated. So when I got there, it was just kind of a like, well, I just need to learn a little bit about each of these brands now, and then you know, you've got like hundreds of perfumes that you suddenly learn very intimately because you're wearing them, spraying and smelling them all day. And while I was there, kind of helped open up a second store, which has since closed down because the rent went up when I, after I left and all of those things. And it was, it was just uh, reasonable. But I also helped with kind of like buying decisions, so like introducing a few brands into the store, some of which are still there. So that was obviously good, good buying decisions. And uh, like buying trips to Exxonce and, and what's the other one? Pity in uh, Florence. And working really closely with the brand owners because a lot of the brand owners themselves were perfumers. So I would learn directly from them. And then obviously like they have Frederick Miles. So I got to interact with Frederick. They have Mona Dioria. So got to interact with her. That's such a brilliant place to be in terms of, of stuff that was coming through the door and people that you were meeting. Yeah, I mean, the, the people that came in, some of which were wonderfully ridiculous local customers in Belgravia, as <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, it's quite it's quite nice around there. It was quite yeah, well to do. quite it? detached from reality, some might say. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> fortunately, I don't have to work there anymore, so I could kind of say it. But, um, like, I... <laughs> Some of the stories that we would have from what people had said to us was just like, you know, oh, we lost everything in the crash. There's this one woman. We lost everything in the crash. You know, we're down to two maids and we've had to downgrade. You. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, how old? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to my flat. And yeah. yeah. And here's me living in a house sharing Peckham at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, God, that must be terrible. No idea. But you know that that thing of working, you know, working in a shop, and we often talk about it on, on the podcast. But you know, no, no matter what the industry, actually having that that direct contact with customers, you know, for better or worse, God, what you see, you hear all sorts, you you see all sorts. But actually, that knowing what people come in and spend money on 
It's critical, isn't it? For, for I guess for the stuff you've done later on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of my sort of like superpowers now because I understand how customers shop. I understand what they're actually looking for. I understand how they interact with things. And it's been really, really useful throughout my career because starting out in retail and understanding what actually happens on the shop floor. What do I need to know as a salesperson? What do I need to talk about? How do I discuss these things? Has informed a lot of the training that I've developed. So after Les Hunter, I went to Penhaligons and I was in marketing and product development and then on to training um, and kind of went around the world training for them. And obviously, like having spent time on the shop floor made it super, super easy for me to understand what our store teams needed because I could say, I've been there, I've done that. I know what you need to say to sort of like explain a fragrance, but also... Well, exactly. I suppose, yeah, it's that thing of what what are the sort of touch points that are interesting to the consumer? What do they latch on to? And, yeah. you know, do you want to use words? I don't know, in terms of the language, what's the stuff that's that grips people rather than these, these kind of lofty language that doesn't always make a lot of sense? Right, there's a, and there's a lot of that. And then there's also a lot of, like, people just using notes lists as like a laundry list of things that you're just going to say to people a lot of the time. And you're like, well, that's really useless because the vast amount of people that walk into your store have never experienced half the things on it and or they a think Poppenax or something yeah, a Poppenax. they're like Poppenax what's this patchouli who knows Bergamot <laughs> I'm not even sure because they think it might be the mint like rather than the citrus and all of these kind of things so you know it's notes lists have their place and they're useful but I don't think there's something you should be just reeling off at a customer on a shop floor because they're just confusing but it's so interesting to you know all those different roles you've described and, and that kind of route through to to where you are now it's it, it, it sort of shows me, I guess you're using all of those different skills and all those different things you learn. I thank God. I mean, you know, how how lucky to be in a position where you can kind of absorb all that and, and create your own role from it. But it, it seems like there's bits of all of those things in, in old fiction and in, in bougie bougie. Yes. I mean, so after a couple of years at Penhaligans, they got bought out by Pooge. I was kind of trying to go more into the fragrance development thing. They wanted me to be full-time training and almost like a semi-HR training role. And I was like, Mm-mm, don't like this. So I, I upped and left. Um, and then Pia had had left her perfumery job because she was like a contracted, it run to an end and she was kind of like, mm, I don't want to stay here. It's going to be more regulatory than perfumery and I want to do more perfumery. And so I came to her place. She interviewed me for an article she was writing for um, Perfumer and Flavorist about like evaluators and, and kind of people on brand side developing fragrance and what that was like, because it's quite different to someone like an evaluator inside a fragrance house. And kind of like after that, we kind of just were talking about being freelance and maybe we'd like pass clients each other's way and whatever. And then jokingly sort of said, maybe we should start a business one day. And then three months later, we had to start a business. <laughs> <laughs> had to we had to follow through with it. <laughs> yeah, because we just kept getting clients come to either of us that needed both of us. And it was just like, it just didn't make sense. So it was like, let's instead be a one-stop shop where they can get both of our services. Because so how, how would you, if, if Pia is the perfumer, how would yeah. you describe what, what you do that old fiction if 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 you know people come through the door, what's your bit? Everything else, I suppose. Is- Everything else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wear I wear an awful lot of hats. So all very, all very stylish hats. Not remotely. <laughs> all very practical and pragmatic. <laughs> so I would describe myself in if we're talking to like a client that wants perfumery work. I'm effectively like an evaluator, right? Which is like the translator between perfumer and client. 
So my job there is to make sure that we're all speaking the same language, we're all understanding what each other means. When we when someone says musky, what do they mean? Because I, I know from the shop floor that most people that say musky mean patchouli, not musk, and things like that, right? So I, I kind of have to really make sure that we're aligned on what our kind of understanding of language means, and then kind of manage the process of kind of like briefing into Pia. Because I try, I like there to be a little bit of distance so that we can make sure that it's, you know, someone doesn't feel awkward saying, oh, I don't like it, to the perfumer themselves. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Not that she's precious about it, because obviously she's just like, we're pragmatic, we've got to do, we've got to make what the client wants. And if they don't like what we're doing, that makes no sense. No, but th- there is a, the creative, yeah, the creative element to that. And yeah, yeah. You, you can't yeah, help yeah. but take some of that on, I suppose. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So in, in that, in one respect, that's kind of my role as like a, a sort of like translator and then kind of like managing the process and helping them, you know, get everything else done after they've decided that the fragrance is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> the first time. The stuff, they, like, they love the first oh, here's one. Here's me a paperwork. Here's yeah. all yeah. <laughs> but that's, it's really interesting. I'd ne- I hadn't thought of it like that, but... And the way you describe, you know, of course, anybody, you know, if it's a brand that wants a fragrance or home fragrance or some consultancy, whatever it is, of course, everyone comes at it with a a different sort of knowledge level of notes, vocabulary, industry, how it all works. And and you, you need to, yeah, you need to sit in the middle of that and and translate it, don't you, for for peer? Because yeah, every, people like you say, even even. A simple word, people actually, some of these fragrance terms, people understand them in different ways slash wrong ways, whatever it is. But you need that role is really critical, isn't it? Yeah, it is really critical. And one of the one of the sort of like key things I have to do when we're doing bespoke work, especially, is kind of like break down a few of people's misconceptions of what fragrance really is. <laughs> because what they'll see is like, because notes lists are so prolific, right? Everywhere, you see them everywhere. People's have internalized them as these are ingredients, not these are sort of like ideas that the perfume is creating. Yeah, that's, it's really interesting if you could tell us a bit more about that because yeah, you're right. It's not just all of these things are in are in this fragrance. It's kind of and and some of them are kind of accords or ideas it, it doesn't mean that's 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 all the stuff that's in the pot is it exactly and there's always more that's in the pot than what is <laughs> because like a formula can be thirty to seventy or lines you know like separate ingredients that are in it and you could say like i could say there's a rose note in a fragrance but there might not be any actual real rose in that fragrance right so you could use citronol phenolethyl alcohol damascone rose oxide blah, blah 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 and create an impression of a blooming rose without using real rose. Now, you might want to do that more if you're doing sort of like budget candles <laughs> or you're not going to be able to afford to put in some real rose. This is fine fragrance, but stuff like that. Because the, yeah, you know? the oil's so, expensive, isn't it? Exactly, because it ain't cheap. And you every line when you're creating a formula, but this is not something that I have to really focus on, but I do have to tell like, oh, it needs to be a bit cheaper or we can put a bit more money in on those kind of things. Every line has to earn its value you know it has to it has to be what it is so that's one of the sort of like really important things so yeah notes lists are are sort of like broad indicators and like a verbal mood board of what the perfumer is trying to get across rather than a list of this is definitely in your fragrance and i think that's probably the easiest way to describe it it's a bit like describing some of the colors you might see in a painting rather than saying here are the individual pigments that i've used yes that that makes a lot of sense and i guess beyond that sort of evaluation to translation role 
do you get involved in some of the marketing and copywriting and that side of things if people want it to? Yeah, I mean, primarily I do most of the copywriting and sort of like storytelling for brands. And then Pia and I will work together on some projects. And like we've got this huge training project that we're doing at the moment, um, developing a, a bespoke training program for, for a client. And we're working really closely together on that. But then some things we sit in our silos on and some things we really collaborate on, it really just depends on kind of like turnaround times and how involved it all needs to be in lots of different factors. But yeah, we we do sort of bespoke training, lead training workshops for brands, retailers, all kinds of things. And lots of copywriting, storytelling, range evaluation, all kinds of things. So it really depends. Like we offer services from fast-moving consumer goods brands, to ingredients producers, to actual fine fragrance brands. To, like the whole thing is we're across the spectrum. Of, it's of such a broad world, isn't it? And, you know, some people might not consider the fact that, you know, there has to be fragrance added to all kinds of things, whether it's, oh, a, yeah. you know, a, a soap or a detergent or any of these, or, you know, obviously shower gels and things, but they all have a fragrance element, don't they? Which exactly people, you know, people that it's intentional and people need to, you know, take a view on, does, is this the kind of fragrance note that's popular right now or this isn't, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, is, is this popular? Is this appropriate for this product type? Am I putting something yeah. in here that's going to completely <laughs> melt people's brains when they, like, they're going to go, no, it's wrong and I don't know why. All kinds of things. There's so much to take into account. And and, it's yeah. and, there's, and there's trends, isn't there? You know, things sort of come into, come into vogue and then out again and all that stuff. Yeah, I think what's really funny is... um. I keep seeing trend reports of things that have, like, a year ago, I've said, let's develop this thing for this project that we're doing, right? And then I see a trend report and someone's talking about that trend and I'm like, oh, the product's not launched yet, but we did that a year ago. Like, (laughs) 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 so so trends, yeah, things come in and out and that can be because of, like, ingredients that become popular or available or unavailable. And and then there's kind of, like, the broad zeitgeist, like, things that are happening and once you're a creative person, you're tapped into it whether you realise it or not. Of course, Um, yeah whether you're paying loads of attention to what other people are doing or not. You're like, you just seem to, like there's something in the air sometimes. Yes, yeah. in the same way that you might do with music or art or Absolutely. dance or any of those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, we'll definitely, I want to touch much more on Bougie Bougie and how that came about in a sec. But one of the things I, I like to ask the guests is just about their morning and evening routines. And I, I imagine, Nick, there's lots of products that, past your desk and obviously you know we could do a whole other podcast on purely on on fragrance but i just find it interesting you know in in terms of yeah those things that are on your bathroom shelf that you find useful and whether you've got into a kind of you know a sort of tight little edit of things that that you like and so yeah just what what might that look like for you in the mornings products that you like yeah so i'm i'm like i'm pretty product loyal once i love something typically i love it for the fragrance of it or the texture or what it's actually doing for me um so like for example i've been using the body shop pink grapefruit shower gel for years and i don't really stray from it but i will pick up other things when i go other places but that's kind of like key thing every morning i must smell like a grapefruit You might have to stock up now as well, might no, you? No, I know, quite. <laughs> Pia said, you might take them out of uh, administration if you just buy a list. Yeah. Can I have 20 boxes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just literally vats of the stuff, please. Uh, so and you just like that kind of fresh grapefruit? Just I just like love it. it. I just, yeah, I, I, I just feel like that's clean. 
That's clean yeah. to me. Like citrus is clean and I feel fresh and I feel like it wakes me up because I'm not a morning person. I'm really not a morning person. So <laughs> when do you get going? Like when do you think you're sort of... My brain switches on at around 10. So I'm even glad if I 10 15. Yeah, exactly. We start <laughs> I say I did say it has to be after 10. You did. You did fair dues. <laughs> <laughs> because I've just never I've never been really a morning person. I, mean, I could get up at 6, but I'm still not awake till 10. Like it doesn't matter if that or is that flat. So if, you, if if people came into boots at sort of 9 10, you'd have oh, been yeah. pretty monosyllabic. Yeah. Yeah, even if I'd been there from whatever time, like opening up the teals, counting the cash, all of that kind of stuff, whatever time I got there, I was still like, <laughs> I autopilot everything. But yeah, so uh, typically in the morning, it's like wash my face. I use CeraVe. They've got like a hydrating oil cleanser because my face gets really dry and I've got beard and I'm, you know, get dry skin under that. So I like to have real hydration. It's really popular, that CeraVe stuff, isn't it's it? It's so good. It's so good. Like And well-priced. Yeah, it's well-priced. It works well. I mean, my skin normally gets really red, so I want to have something that helps calm it down and soothe it, and that's got ceramides, so that helps strengthen the skin barrier, all of that kind of stuff. So that's, to me, really important. When I was, like, deciding what to get, when I was looking at new face washes ages ago, I was like, oh, well, I need something that's going to help calm, keep my skin skin calm because it's so reactive so then I actually use after, after sort of like face washing the shower and covering myself in pink breakthrough shower gel and then washing that off <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got um, ceramide in cream mist which is like a nice moisturising mist and then I'll put a moisturiser on. So I kind of rotate moisturisers a little bit. But what moment, are you using at the moment? At the moment, I'm using a La Roche-Posay, uh, I think, is it called Hydrophase? I think that's what it's called. And then I've got Hadalabo Eye Cream, because I'm really, my eyes, like, naturally, they're quite sort of like pockety underneath. <laughs> but there's bags, there's bags. And like, inset. So I'm I'm always really self-conscious about that. That's like the only thing I've ever been self-conscious about. <laughs> yeah. What's that product, Nick? I don't know that. Uh, Hadalabo is a Japanese brand and they have like a retinol and hyaluronic acid under eye cream that is really, really nice. Like anti And it's easy to get here, is it? Yeah, right? it's a super drug. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. And then uh, the Biore Aqua Rich SPF because it's so nice, like texture. It's amazing. And I picked that up. First time I picked that up was actually when I was in Japan because I was so hot and I was like, oh God, I've run out of sun cream and... It's so hot that I'm sweating through the sun cream that I bought with me anyway, so it's gross. And I went into one of the shops and I was just like, help. Help <laughs> um, me, help me. Help me, help the lost foreigner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and does it leave a sort of white cast? No, it, it's go amazing. Greasy or anything? It's such a light texture and it kind of like evaporates and it smells like lemon. So of course I love that. because it's Nice, nice. Citrus. So it's, it's fab because it doesn't leave like a white cast. It goes in really quickly. It's really like, Slick, it doesn't have that kind of greasy feeling that a yeah, lot of yeah. uh, sunblocks There's nothing have. worse, because I, I can be quite oily, and then to to feel I'm adding a grease in another sort of layer of oil and, and shine, I hate it. So yeah, I've got a La Roche-Posay thing. But um, yeah, that's a problem. I, I don't want to feel greasy. No, me neither. No, who does? And then I guess in an evening, I'll use like a acid toner, so like a glycolic acid toner, and then probably put on every other night. I'll put on a retinol serum. But yeah, I'm, oh, that's quite good. Yeah, I'm yeah. sort of. I obviously like growing up in boots. <laughs> I was so yeah. You know to, your stuff to, to all of that. That I really have just kind of like kept in it. Like yeah, but that's quite a tight little edit there, isn't it? You kind of know what you're doing, and you yeah. I mean, got, I've got 
got what you got. I've got what I've got. I know what works for me. I've tried a lot of stuff. I'm not going to deviate unless things get discontinued, effectively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, body shop. Exactly. I'm through. And what about with your beard, Nick? How do, do you, do you, again, you've got certain days that you trim or? How, I just, how, how I can't, I'm that? really lazy with it. Um, <laughs> because I'm. That's the benefit of a beard. The benefit right? of a beard is that. I don't have to shave every day. I hate shaving. And my face got so yeah. red and reactive and uh, that I just, I went through like a breakup and grew a beard and then I never shaved it off. <laughs> I, mean, right. I shaved it off. One, your breakup beard. Which was for my sort of stepdad's nan's funeral because she always used to tell me, get that thing off your face. <laughs> um, but that was years ago. And then I've just grown it back. Um, yeah. So I just, I've got like a Philips trimmer uh-huh. that I use at home. So I'll probably do that once a week. And then yeah. go, I go to a barber once a month and they'll do everything. Just like shape up, do my hair. Blah, yeah. Fix um, up, look sharp. Yeah, exactly. Because I All just need that. to start looking like a human again sometimes. <laughs> I, just... I get, I do that sometimes. I think, you know, with this whole sort of working from home more. And then I, you know, I realise I've got a meeting one morning and it, it's, it's only that morning then that I just sort of, get rid of all the hair that sort of started from here down to here and, you know, all over my... It just, yeah, it just felt like I looked like a yeah, looked like a tramp or something. And then it's only then that I sort it out. But, it, you know, there might be a few days where I'm just here and I don't worry. No, exactly. Sort of not, not, yeah, not like nice if I've not family, got client meetings or we're not... I'm just going, like, to the lab or working from home. Just kind of like, oh, well, I'll be all right. Like, I don't look like a total mess. It'll be fine. As long as I don't look like I've swallowed a bear or something and it started like, <laughs> crazy around here. <laughs> And obviously, and you know, we, we've talked a bit about, obviously, your, your love of fragrance and designer into niche and everything else. And, yeah. and I guess, you know, short of doing some sort of exhaustive lift, list about every fragrance you love, but <laughs> it, what, what's your approach to it in, in the morning? Do, do, you need to, do you need to stay fragrance-free for what you do off, uh, at work? Or, 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 or if you are going to put something on at home, how do you, you know what what's that decision making thing about what what leads you to choose a certain bottle yeah so most days if i'm going to the lab i don't tend to put anything on either because i'll be evaluating something or just because the lab is quite a many environment like, there's a lot of fragrances in there there's a lot of raw materials in there it it has a smell and um it'll kind of i'll get lost in it anyway so either i'm evaluating and so i don't want to wear it any fragrance or if I'm not going to be wearing anything new or we're not developing anything that I need to wear then sometimes I'll put um fragrance on and my kind of decision making process is a bit what do I feel like today like I've got I used to have hundreds of bottles of fragrance and I've edited it down to about 30 like I'll look outside basically and I'll be like, what's it like? Is it sunny? Should I wear something nice and fresh and bright and feel like I'm vibrant? Or do I need to feel like that because it's so grey? <laughs> Who knows? But really lately it's been wearing new stuff that we're developing or about to launch because I just want to kind of live in it for a little bit so I can really feel it and understand. Get it in all weathers and all Exactly. Moods and-, and just kind of go like, oh, this is really working for me today and... Like, oh, there's something here that I've never clocked before properly that I now have to like be aware of. So I should, we should talk to that. We should talk to that kind of thing. Because basically Gilded, one of our fragrances, is effectively a bespoke for me. So I wear that a hell of a lot. Is that is that your favourite of the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love, I, I love all our babies. 
Uh, but Gilded's the one I wear the most. And then I've got um, like things I love. I've Prada on Fusion de Ries, which is like a nice, if I'm going to like client meetings maybe or something yeah. like that and I'm not going to have to smell something, that makes me just feel sort of like clean, easy. I'm not going to be offensive and it's not going to overpower anything. Amber Chromatique by Maison Crivelli. I'm obsessed oh, with. Good. I just, it yeah, smells really good. so good. Just fabulous use of ambretolide it's so so sexy and i just and then uh chanel paris edinburgh as well it's like a cot of like i want a freshness and stuff like that so it just it depends i just kind of look outside decide what the weather is feel what's my mood like today what am i trying to say with what i'm wearing and choose from that say you're working from home and you're not seeing anybody is fragrance still an important part of your day and making you feel a certain way absolutely um sometimes I wear specific fragrances because I'm writing about them <laughs> or whatever. So I'm not wearing it for that purpose. But if I'm at home and I don't have to wear anything new today or smell anything new today, then I will I will kind of grab my sort of like perfume comfort blankets. My things that I know will make me feel good, will make me smell good, and that I just feel sort of like like me in because it's it's something that's been part of my life for 20 plus years now, kind of like wearing fragrance every day. I would feel really, I feel really weird when I'm not wearing it and I've got the opportunity to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, obviously, if I'm not wearing it because I've got to go and evaluate, different matter, I'm like, well, that's fine, it's work. <laughs> yeah, so normally it just it just makes up part of your getting ready, you know? It's, yeah, it's yeah, part absolutely. Of it. you feel, feel weird without it. Yeah, I feel weird without it, even if I'm like pyjama day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, we talked, obviously we've talked about the sort of old fiction side of, of your business and then and then working with Pia, but then... More recently, you've sort of put your heads above the parapet, as it were, and and you've launched Bougie Bougie, which which started as a, a a candle brand, and last year launched into fine fragrance. But I wonder, you know, from from years of doing it for other people, how did you come to that realization that you, you know what we we need to do something for us? Was that a big leap, a big jump into the unknown? Kind of, and no, like so. Long story short, we when we started up, we were like, we're not going to do our own brand for years. Like, it's not going to be something that we do straight away because I know a lot of people will expect it of us because we're starting in it. And But that meant like a lot of money sink, a lot of time sink and all of those things. And we were trying to build up the foundation of old fiction um, as a sort of service provider to the industry and, and the other things we do. And then one morning I had woken up after having a dream that we had a, a candle brand called Bougie Bougies because I thought it was really funny. <laughs> It all came from a dream. It came from a dream. And so um, I went to I went to work and spoke to Pia and I said, so this happened and I dreamt this and we have to do it. And she was like, yes, we do. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. What a, what a supportive colleague. Because, you know, if my wife starts telling me about her dreams normally, I just kind of switch off and I just find it the most tedious thing. But how lovely that she she kind of took it on and was... Yeah. You know, well, it was... We, so we just... We decided to use it as... Like, when we were starting what we're going to do we weren't sure if we were going to do a perfume brand or a candle brand or what because we created lots of fragrances for candles for sort of clients manufacturing clients and things like that so we're really familiar with the process and how it all works and and it kind of made a lot of sense and we had some really fun ideas that we wanted to do that we never really had the budget for for sort of other clients or were kind of a bit maybe too out there for some of the clients that we were getting so we were just kind of like do you know what this is our playground. This is where we're going to put our creativity and our fun that we're going to have with these fragrances. So let's do that. And so we started out with five candles 
um, which were Hellflower, Succulent, Guilt, Queer Culture, and Queen Jam. Succulent came from Pia had like an accord for a cactus that she'd done that I was so obsessed with and was like, this needs to live somewhere. Like imagine a succulent or a cactus as a smell. That's that accord. Let's work it up into a whole fragrance. Queen Jam was from Pia's childhood because it's Kuningata Hilo, which is a, a Finnish jam made of bilberries and raspberries. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a real thing. Um, and so we just kind of took that idea, made a really jammy candle and then gave it like a nice rosiness so it's not like you're just sitting in jam. Oh, it's so beautiful though. It's really nice. And guilt was my kind of, I'm. we must do this. I must, It must smell like this. And I drove Pia insane because I was asking for constant modifications to increase the incense resin, which would extinguish the flame because there's too much resin in the candle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had this like backwards and forwards and eventually we had a happy medium where she was, this is it. This is what you're getting. <laughs> Because no more changes. No more changes. I've hit my limit of, of tolerance with mixed demand. <laughs> um, but also I had I had to accept that what I wanted was impossible in a candle. So we got to a point that I was really, really happy with with the fragrance. Um, and then queer culture was a pun because queer culture, queer and leather, it was easy. Pia's really good at leather fragrances. Uh, and then Hellflower, we found like a really tatty old sci-fi book that was called Hellflower. It's by people that loved the smell of this flower and it drove people to kind of like ecstasy and then they wanted to sniff it all the time, like hyped up on it. But nowhere in the book did it describe the smell. <laughs> so you had a kind of blank canvas. Can you imagine it? Yeah, a blank canvas to do that. To exactly. Um, and so we did that. We launched during the pandemic and kind of had like a nice little bit of success and really good feedback on the fragrances, which was the most important thing for us. It seemed like everyone, I mean, I, yeah, in my little, you know, vacuum and and it, it seemed like there was a lot of love for, quite rightly, for for the candles. You know, they, they, was a, it was great, wasn't it? It seemed to go really well. Yeah, yeah, it was really positive and I was really, really thrilled. But it also, like, that was our kind of like, okay, we're on to something. And so then we started getting people going, um, I just want to wear this candle. Can I wear the candle? And we're like, well, not Might really. Really close. Let's, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's not do that. And so we kind of were like, well, we want to launch fragrances at some point. We thought maybe it would be a separate brand, but instead we thought, well, let's instead do complete remixes of our fragrances or some of the fragrances and turn them into perfumes and we'll tell a slightly different story and we'll approach them differently because they can't smell the same. No, exactly. It's such an interesting way of describing it. It's a sort of a, yeah, a reinterpretation of a remix because, yeah, obviously the, the, what's in a candle isn't going to work it's not as, work a, on a fine, and as fine like flavors, yeah. yeah. So there's sort of yeah restylings of those of those candles in in fine fragrance form, yeah. Yeah, so we kind of think of it like the candle is maybe like a snapshot of a moment or a place, and then the perfume is like pulled back. It's a big a full scene or like a cinematic version of, of it, maybe, oh, nice. or like an element of it. Um, so the we were like cut exactly, exactly. <laughs> so with when we created Verdant, we were like, well, we know that this cactus accord has to be part of it. But we were also like, let's instead think about, because we're both sci-fi nerds. So we love, love, love sci-fi. So we were like, wouldn't it be really cool to do like, the world has ended and it's covered in plants um, <laughs> and the cities are completely overgrown and all of that kind of thing. So we were like, okay, so let's take that that part and then blow it up and then build a perfume around this. Um, and so that's that's how we approached it pretty much all of them like let's take this element and then 
will build a new story around it. So, I but my favorite is Gilded. I'm, Me too. I'm I'm, I'm glad you yeah. said that. And I and you talking about you know the idea of you know just a just kind of utilitarian list of notes and stuff isn't very helpful. But I I did. You know, I really sort of connected with this phrase. And I, I, to, until you very kindly sent it, I'd, I'd had the candle, I think. I think Thomas sent me the candle a couple of years ago, which I loved. But I know people have been saying how great Kilda was, but yeah, you know, I tried it on skin. But I'm just talking about the sort of marketing and the copywriting side of it. And I found on your site, which I just thought it was so perfect. It says, light, space, serenity, incense, resin, dipped in gold. Which I think, you know, there's an example of something that just tells you tells you a story and tells you what you're getting so much more than just going, you know, incense, lemon, da da da. You know, it's um Exactly. And we've we've got that as well on the on the website. Like it does say, you know, lemon aldehyde saffron, blah, 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 blah. But for us, what is what is the impression? What is it that we're trying to get across? It's not a list of notes. It's this feeling of like space, light, serenity, incense in gold. Like that's our feeling that we really want to Im- impress with the perfume. And I feel like we've achieved. Totally. I mean, it, it definitely has that that sparkle, doesn't it? I think. And as, you know, our friend Alistair Park talks about, you know, sexy church. This is kind of, it's peak sexy church, I think, isn't it? It's, yeah, peak sexy church. Well, yeah. our idea when we were talking about it is kind of, we, we didn't want to be within any specific religious framework when we were getting <laughs> yeah. the perfume. We sit outside of that. I know. So we kind of like, because we're, not super religious <laughs> in any way whatsoever. And it feels, I don't want to say like appropriation, but at the same time, it's not our story to tell. So we thought about, do you know Star Trek Deep Space Nine? I don't. I'm no. Sure. I'm, no. I'm there really shit on sci-fi. Of, I don't, yeah, it's kind of. There was, there were these wormhole aliens. They lived in a wormhole and one the religious group within it called it the Celestial Temple. And I really loved that idea of this space just be, like it was golden, it was bright, it was full of light and space and all of that kind of thing. And so we were playing around with like that as our as our concept and our informing point of what we might do with the fragrance because it's basically sci-fi religion. <laughs> Got you. Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. But I think something else about Bougie Bougie, and again, you, you sort of touched on it, is that it does feel like a sort of a, it's quite a bold brand, you know, the the... the the names you've used, the, the fact that it's quite inclusive, you know, it doesn't have to be about sort of necessarily being particularly, you know, heteronormative and cisgender and all that stuff. Is that an important thing you wanted to do? Is Are you just glad it's there in the background? Or, you know, I guess you, it's not like you want to necessarily bang people over the heads with this stuff, but it feels like quite a modern, you know, a new a new style of of brand that, that can talk with authority on this stuff. Yeah, I mean... By nature of the fact that I am a queer man, um, it's probably just going to come out of the... Like, my way of thinking, my creativity, all of that kind of stuff, is kind of tied up in all of this queerness and difference and the way that I view the world and all of that. So when I've got someone like Kia collaborating with me who can basically turn any idea into a fragrance, she's amazing, it's really great because it's we can talk to these things because naturally they're going to be things that I'm talking about or thinking about, or we're talking about or thinking about as a pair. But it's not like we ever set out to kind of be like, we're a big queer brand. Like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. We're we're out here having like conversations and having fun and creating beautiful things. But by virtue of who I am, it's going to be part of what the brand is. 
Yeah, and I, but I think it sort of allows, yeah, it doesn't feel overplayed, but I think it, you know, it allows much, some, some much more nuanced and interesting conversations to take place. And, and I suppose it also throws light on the fact that probably a lot of fragrance brands and a lot of the way that fragrance or home fragrance is marketed is not this, is it? It's, you know, it, it you know, quite, quite sort of binary and, and all, all the kind of touch points are quite, there's got to be different ways of doing it these days. And then you thought, even if not for, not for no other reason in that, you know, it's the right thing to do, but also there's commercial um, appeal in that, I'd have thought. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we hadn't really approached it from kind of like, is this a commercial thing to do? Or not? No, 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 but you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, to, the most commercial thing to do would be to not do these things. Because <laughs> we're, you know, we have our sort of like approach, we have our politic, which it, we, it's not something we're going to shout about as a brand necessarily, but we have our approach to the world. We have our experience of the world. We both didn't grow up in privilege. We both grew up with like a lot of hardship and a lot of stuff going on that we had to deal with for different reasons, yes. But we, like our backgrounds inform the way that we live our lives now and what we want to do and what we want to talk about. So it's kind of like naturally part of what we do. But one of the things that the brand, or we talk about as a brand is our postmodern perfumery sort of like manifesto because a lot of brands and perfumery talk is still focused on how French and wonderful everything in France is, <laughs> as if France was the first creator of any perfume whatsoever, which it wasn't. It's always been a global thing. It's always been from lots of different regions. It's always been a trade that has relied on ingredients from everywhere and all of those kind of things. And there's this talk of like modern perfumery, be, like it was invented in the 1800s, but there's not really been any sort of like evolution past that. Like just at that point, and that's that's the pinnacle. No, it's not. Like we'll go. There's the future. There's what can we do in the future? And ideas are evolving, and people are changing. And all. Exactly. And there's you know there's a prolif the proliferation of information. There's a whole new way of talking about experiencing fragrance, of sharing your love of it, of of all of that. There's lots of different ways of creating it. And so we've we've kind of like taken that approach of kind of it doesn't have to be France is the epicenter. <laughs> At the same time, France has done some wonderful things for perfume, but let's like there's a whole world let's keep of rolling right there. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and I'm going to obviously put links in the in the program notes so people can find out more about the individual fine fragrances and, and candles that Bougie Bougie do. The title of the podcast is man in the mirror and yeah it's something i've sort of long been interested in you know our, our idea of self and self-image and just through this idea of you know you're doing your morning routine and you're you're looking in your mirror and i, I wonder how, how you feel about self-image and is, is that something that you think about a lot and kind of where are you at with that yes <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you sort of comfortable with what looks back at you I'm really comfortable with what looks back at me. The only thing I ever, ever focus on is how tired I look. I feel like every time I look in the mirror, I'm just looking at a tired person. <laughs> but that's the only thing that I'm sort of really conscious of. I've had to come in like a long way with my self-image and stuff like that. Because when I was, I was really skinny as a kid and I had big ears and then I had to have those like pinned back. And then I got fat in my teen years because I got really depressed because I was queer, but I didn't really understand what the hell was going on because section 28, you couldn't talk about nothing at school, all of that kind of stuff. So it wasn't, then, there wasn't friends you could talk to? Were, were there no, people you... God no. Like most of my, most of my friends at school that actually are queer came out late, much later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so 
even though we kind of gravitated towards one another, we couldn't really talk about it. It was all a bit... It was unsaid. Kind of. Yeah, all unsaid. Um, and then I got really fat and I was like, oh no, this is terrible. And then <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I'm still fat now. It's fine. Like I realized that there's no actual sort of like moral or like personal failure in the fact that I am the size that I am. I am a fat person, whatever. I'm quite happy describing myself as fat. Other people have a problem with me describing myself as fat. So like, oh, no, 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 you're not. And I'm like, I am. That's fine. Is a descriptive word. What you're doing is putting some moral value. Yeah, they're adding their own value to it. Exactly. And so you need to address that bit because I'm fine with, with how I am and what's going on. And there was kind of like a whole bunch of stuff. Like I went through this phase of like, I was like, well, I'm fat, so no gay people are going to be interested. In, like, no other men are going to be interested in me. So, fuck it, I'm going to play around with makeup. And I did this whole, like, gender fucks phase with makeup and all that kind of stuff. And then I think I got to, like, 25, had my first heartbreak, and then, which is a weird way of describing what happens. <laughs> I won't go too into that. So I had my first heartbreak and then kind of was like, actually, I'm fine. Like, there's what's going on here I built all this mess in my head of other people's expectations of of society's expectations I sound the way I sound I act the way I act I am I look the way I look these are all things that are immutable like I can't change them I'm happy with it I'm really it, it took a lot of energy to get to the point where I'm actually almost very blasé about my appearance like I, yeah I want to take care of my skin because I don't like, I'm not worried about getting old. I'm worried about the condition of it. Like, I've had grey hair since I was 12 in here. So, like, it's always been a bit salt and peppery. I'm not worried. From about from su- such a young age? Yeah, I think I was just a really stressed kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as far as my self-image goes, I'm quite sort of, like, happy with how I am and what I, what I see in the mirror. I've not really got anything that I'm worried about, necessarily. It's more like... Things that upset me are like, oh, you're tired. That's it. <laughs> oh, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you've you've come to a really good place with it. And I think it's really interesting that idea, you know, there's often other other people kind of adding their own shit onto, you know, the, the, onto, onto you, which, and it seems you've got a very healthy way of just sort of batting it away again. And I think, yeah, it sounds like good way of approaching it one of the sort of like key things is you can't other people's stuff is their stuff you can't control it you can't change it they have to work on it themselves so that me getting worried or upset by what other people's stuff is doesn't help me in any way it's a really really useless sort of energy to carry so i don't carry it i don't carry it (laughs) and the final thing nick is um what are things that make you happy and bring you joy sort of outside of work I suppose I I do love my work I love that's good I love the creativity that we get to express I love creating new fragrances with Pia I love what we get to do I I love chat any opportunity I get to chat about fragrance in to anyone in any subject because I've kind of learned a hell of a lot over the years I'm super happy to do that but outside of work I'm just a big dork like I really like gaming I play um online game called DC Universe Online. I play a Star Trek game. Like <laughs> Is that on a is that on a PC a console or PC, PC? Yeah. Yeah. So you can like make your own superhero character. It's really great fun. Fly around a little world and, and save people or be a villain if you want to be or whatever, you know, like it's a really fun thing. I love Star Trek like so so much. Is 
I think it's shaped a lot of my mentality because of that kind of, there's a place for everyone in the future idea. So rewatching episodes of DS9 makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then like just really fun performance stuff. So I love to sing. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Are you in a choir or in a band? Not in a choir, no. No. I was going to kind of look at Amjam again, but then I'm too busy to kind of like commit. And that's the problem. Because you need a certain night and then yeah, rehearsal exactly. for and a then show. Like, well, what yeah. if I, like a client needs me to go here and do some training? Or what if like, all of these things happen? So I love to sing. I sing to myself all the time. That's really fun for me. Karaoke as well, if I get the opportunity to show off, because I love it. <laughs> yeah. You're a big music fan in general, Nick? Yes, music and especially musicals. Um, so yeah, theatre makes me really happy going to see like a, a musical performance that all sets me off and just like queer expression as well. So like going to see drag shows, going to see performance art, going to see and, like anything like that where I get to sort of like embrace other people's joy. That really makes me happy. Yeah. And it rubs off, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Because you're kind of like, they're, ha- they're experiencing this moment of euphoric weirdness or whatever. I'm just like, I'm here with you. This is great. This is wonderful. So I like to sort of like share my experience. And I think it's so great in in your job, you know, you've managed to carve out this this role that's sort of unique to you with your friend. And that yeah, that's, I guess, many people don't have that uh, experience, do they? You know, doing the grind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a second that it's, you know, therefore it's easy because it, I'm sure it isn't. But but actually the, that you're in charge of your own destiny is, that must be quite empowering and, and give you some happiness. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does. We've we've been really sort of like fortunate. We survived the pandemic, which was a thing in itself, you know. Like yeah, we made it hallelujah. Through. We've had some really fun and exciting and interesting work that we've been able to do. And I don't know if I could ever go back to working for somebody else. Yeah, I guess it would be hard now. You've how you, how many years you've been with Peer and All Fiction? We've uh, will be eight years as All Fiction in uh, June. So yeah, it's quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long time. Go back and it's work for the man. All of my thirties I've spent in this, basically, like the whole thing. So um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been amazing, and I love what we do. And that does give me a lot of joy. But I'm really I really recognise that I'm fortunate to have found something that I love and I'm good at because I know a lot of people haven't that, that's true well look, congratulations on the on all of the stuff with bougie bougie but I think you know to have these fine fragrances added in in the last year or so and, and particularly gilded for me but I know people will want to discover them and I guess they can find them they're on obviously on your website and and um which i will link to what about physical are there are there physical places they can find some of these bougie working bougie? on it yeah that's next yeah that's yeah. next that's next so it's a big old thing right getting into that whole distribution game and yeah we're so we're obviously we've got a bunch of meetings at excellence but we've, we've been in discussion with a couple of retailers here in the uk because i want to really have somewhere physical that people can go and smell them and we can't open our own shop books we just don't have to like there's two of us and our yeah, it's yeah that's a, just like pouring money into a hole as well. Yeah, like, God, yeah. no, Jesus. So, um, <laughs> so uh, we're, it's not like we can, aff- one, afford to have a shop right now and two, have the bandwidth to have a shop right now. So um, maybe down in the future when we've got loads and loads of money because they've been super successful, we'll have our own shops. <laughs> but, uh, they'll we'll they'll be sold in boots and it'll be full circle. Oh, I know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> it would. It would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, Nick, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you this morning. And um, look, good luck when you go to Exxons and with the brand in the, in the years to come. And thank you for your time. No, thank you so much for having me, Hayden. It's been a great chat. All right. Take care, Nick. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. My thanks to Nick. I've really enjoyed talking to him and um, I hope that came across and I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I urge you to go and uh, go to their website and discover some of the candles and particularly the the fine fragrance actually i think it's it's such a great uh, range uh, there's, there's four in in the debut collection there's gilded queer queen and verdant and as you heard in our conversation gilded was was the one that's really struck a chord with me beautiful sort of incense but with a kind of lightness due to the the lemon um but a really a really kind of strong churchy incense fragrance that and, and I'm, I'm really thrilled that they seem to be of they seem to have been received so well by the by the consumers and and the fragrance community getting such good reviews and um being lauded here there and everywhere quite rightly so so if, if you want to find out more about bougie bougie you can find them on instagram at bougie bougie now the spellings I don't know, how would you spell it anyway? But uh, it's probably not spelt quite as you imagine. It's B-O-U-J-E-E-B-O-U-G-I-E-S. So B-O-U-J-E-E-B-O-U-G-I-E-S. Bougie Bougie. And it's um, at Bougie Bougie and also BougieBougie.com. And if you want to find out more about the work that Nick and his co-founder Pia Long would do at Old Fiction. You can find them at oldfiction.com and it's the, the consultancy and the fragrance house side of things. So they get such an interesting role. I think almost the best of both worlds, their work that they can do commercially for, for other brands and then their own playground, their own kind of sandbox in the form of bougie bougie. So thank you to Nick. If you want to find out more about Man in the Mirror, I'm at Man in the Mirror Pod on Instagram. I'm also now on TikTok. As I mentioned last week, I've kind of taken the plunge. Um, you're going to see more kind of visual content on on Instagram and socials and TikTok. But I'm at Mr. Hayden Williams on TikTok. And each week I'll be putting little clips up from the episode. So please go and follow me there, Mr. Hayden Williams. And that's H-A-Y-D-N, no E, H-A-Y-D-N, Williams, Mr. Hayden Williams. On TikTok, my final bit of housekeeping is that I have now put in place this kind of tipping site. It's called coffee.com. And again, I mentioned it last week, but if you didn't get to hear that one, um, yeah, it's a service where you know, if you've enjoyed the content, um, you're able to tip, in inverted commas, I have my sort of begging bowl slash busker's cap um, up in that, up there online, and it's ko-fi.com forward slash man in the mirror. So it's coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash man in the mirror. And if you've enjoyed the content, you can tip on that site and it'll go towards editing and, and using the, the services that I use to upload the podcast to all the different streaming sites and also the platform I use to actually record them. So, you know, there's a running cost of, of doing this, to be honest. And, um, you know, there's not really many other ways of me kind of getting any income. It's not quite at a stage where there's adverts around the content, which you know, I hope will, will, will come in time. But if there's any way that you can support the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. And don't feel like you do have to because... 
you know, I know how it goes at the moment and uh, times are tough. But uh, if there's anything you can do to support the podcast, it would be appreciated. Right, that's quite enough begging for one week. But do please check out uh, the Bougie Bougie candles and fine fragrance at bougiebougie.com. Well worth investigating. Enjoy your week. I hope um, you'll come back again and listen to another episode. I'll be back this time next week. Until then, thanks to Nick and thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.